Hi folks, Matt from the future again. Uh, this week, let's see, we've got, in addition to our usual rambling selves, some cicadas still, thanks Wordsworth, uh, the sounds of us eating, the sounds of us hitting the table, the sounds of us drinking, cicadas, it's, it's, all, it's all over the place. Uh, I'm a little bit quiet, but I can't really fix that without boosting the cicadas. Um, on with the show, I guess. And welcome once again to the M4 Project, a movie podcast about films that the wider public haven't seen. As always, I'm Matthew Gillette. I'm Michael Solomon. And I'm Morgan Davidson. And I was wondering oh this week. Here we go. If you went to a country, you got uh, done for a crime that involved the death penalty, the death penalty was hanging, and you were a sadomasochist that got off on hanging. Yeah. Would they still hang you? And the off chance that you were like, you've basically gave him his best way to die in the entire well, world. Well, you'd also have to assume that they know that. And if you were like, they're probably going to hang me, and you, you'd be like, you'd you be would, like, you would basically be able to finish that in ecstasy. You would yeah. and keep oh, that quiet. You'd, you'd be calm on the, on the down low. Like you'd, you'd just, you'd hopefully spray the front row <laughs> like, as you're going down. So that's the only way to go out. Hello, and welcome once again to M4 Theatre. Today's production is Death by Hanging, arranged by Mike, performed by Matt. Enjoy. Quiet down, quiet down. You, Hans von German guy, were accused of the heinous crime of taking a bite of another man's crumpet. For which you were sentenced to hang by your neck until death. Have you any last words? Yeah, like, I'd like to say a few things. Uh, first of all, I'm definitely not looking forward to this at all. Please ignore this huge election. It's just, uh, it's a fear boner. Yeah, just, just a fear boner. In Germany, we call it Eschkadivina. Odd, but fair enough. Pull the lever. Oh, this is good. This is good. Oh, 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 it's everywhere. Oh, oh, not my official wig. Very expensive to dry clean. And that's the end of today's episode of M4 Theatre. An original production of A Death by Hanging. Originally developed by Mike Sullivan, inspired by Morgan Davidson, and performed by Matthew Jelenic. That was entirely unnecessary. I can't believe how much effort I fucking put into that. Jesus fucking Christ, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> I mean, really, like, that would be your life. Yeah, yeah. And the, the death penalty... Will be by hanging. You're like, yes! I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, damn. Oh, oh, hanging, my worst fear. Yeah. I've gone stiff with fear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, hanging. Oh, terrible, terrible. Yeah. I they would. Let's go ahead with it. I think that, yeah. My, I, they absolutely would. They wouldn't care. It's like, well, you have the death penalty. Or, no, they'd probably, uh, if I was part of the justice system, you'd swap it out. Last, the last second? Last second. Like, oh, okay. All right, we're walking you to the gallows, Frank. Psych guillotine. <laughs> I wish they still guillotined. That. <laughs> wow. Holy oh, shit. What? No, I just that is this humane shit we're doing. No, no it's just such a. It's such an awesome contraption for execution. But like, they just went. 
how can we make like the French are over the top and they went how can we make this just like massively over the top fucking massive blade drop it head cuts off like shoom, done like no, that was just that was automation turkey the gerbs yeah that yeah. was they they couldn't Some afford to pay the executor executioner so they've just replaced him with a but someone stood up like, a, uh, like that for it to come down but it's it's better than like it's even better than like the guy swinging an axe because that was silent that was head down this is like and <laughs> you could hear it drop the <laughs> ultra, ultimate level of it is get the dude with his head in it to have to pull the cord oh that's that's truly messed up that is really <laughs> oh, no, no, no it, it's 10 10 cables he's got to <laughs> one sets him free, free. Oh, that's, that's awesome! That's actually that's really, like, really. We should make a game show I, where most of the contestants get uh, beheaded. The M four beheading hour. Anyways, <laughs> onto the movie of oh, yeah, we're a this movie podcast. week. Uh, it was called The Football Factory. It was my pick. It's a 2004 film. I had a couple of alternate names for this. Did you guys have any before I go into mine? <sighs> you don't have to. I thought of some, but they've they've completely disappeared from my brain. Uh, football train spotting. Okay. Spotting footies. Spotting yeah. footies. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh, I was going to go uh, halfway through because I, I knew this was a thing we were going to do. I was going to go like uh, a clockwork football. Yeah. But then the story didn't go the way I thought. I was, it was, I was immediately thinking something along the lines of like uh, Fight Club Light without the twist or likable <laughs> characters or good writing or. Um, <laughs> we're but not, they fight. We already so. know what Mike thinks of the movie. No, actually. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, we're, we're going to we'll do that. that. We'll leave that. Um, my two names were number one, Oi Cunt. Yeah, uh, no, which works with this. And the other one, I like this one, I really like this one, <coughs> White Line Fever. Because okay. it goes with the cocaine, yeah. it goes and, with and white the white lines of football field. Yeah. I, I was quite yeah, proud of myself that's for that's that one. Um, anyway, so the film is called Football Factory. It, it stars Danny Dyer as uh, Tommy Johnson. Uh, he is a member of the violent Chelsea hooligan firm. Uh, his friend and fellow hooligans, uh, Tommy's best friend, Rod King, played by Neil Maskett. The hot-tempered Billy Bright by Frank Harper and the impulsive young members Zebedee Roland Mnookin, played by Roland Mnookin, and Raph, played by Callum McNabb. Toby spends his days drinking, using drugs, womanising, fighting, much to the disappointment of his grandfather Bill Farley, played by Dudley Sutton, a pensioner and veteran who plans to move to Australia with his best friend Albert, played by John Jerkin. The film is a bit of an adaptation of the Chelsea Headhunters. I remember watching a documentary on this around about the same time this movie came out. Um, the firm itself, the headhunters, were infiltrated by an investigative reporter called Donald McIntyre on the BBC. He poses a wannabe member. He got himself a Chelsea tattoo. He got into the That's firm. Commitment. Oh, yeah, it, it's commitment. And, and funnily enough, this is just a little snippet for this. The tattoo he actually got, because Chelsea's changed their badge a couple of times now, yeah. the tattoo he actually got is like the prancing line, which is it happens to be the badge of Millwall. Uh, both of them used to have basically this. I'm guessing from what I, I, I gathered, both of them used to have a very similar, and that, so a lot of Chelsea boys like the new ones because it doesn't look as, as much like yeah, Millwall's. Okay. So that's just a little snippet that fits in well with this movie. There was a number of arrests uh, from he because he went to the they went to the police with the, the stuff because he, he got them doing deals. He got them with hidden cameras yeah. in his car and microphones. Um, there was a few convictions as well. So it actually for myself it gave some cred to what this movie is actually yeah. about because they they deal with these yeah. sort of things that I'd seen in this documentary. Hooligan it's, hooliganism itself had been a bit of a stay on the game by this point. Two thousand and four it had been pretty much cleaned up by sanctions, but it's you see the back tail the back tail of it and where uh, how they're getting around the system and, and yep. doing stuff it's because no longer out in the car park they're going no. out behind the train station and, and whilst sanctions have worked yep. 
in many ways that's the open sanctions where they see it openly these are how they've decided to make it a bit smarter they're not traveling as big groups because there's cctv cctv everywhere yeah. and they're smarter about how they're yeah. getting and setting up these fights and they're actually planning it as well with the other firm in the sense that we will meet for a yeah. fight yeah. uh yeah. where it is it's going to be a bit we'll bring this secret right. you bring the custard <laughs> You can't. Pretty yeah. much, like like they're working together to have a fight. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Uh, so, sometimes so there strange. are a few few surprises. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a time pass for them. They're just it's the hobby. Yeah, yeah it's the hobby. We go watch the match and then we go try to beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, and the, the characters actually say it's like the one of the things I love most is beating the shit out of them. Sure, you may get beat up sometimes, but nothing beats it. You're like Phew, Jesus. And as I was saying to Morgan. That. Actually, I didn't say anything before to Morgan. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I wasn't aware of the structure of these organisations. That's the thing. I yeah. seeing football hooliganism on TV and that kind of thing. I always thought it was just, you know, yeah, they'd fight in the car park, fight in the streets, flip, flip some cars. That's probably where it started. But yeah, but they're so much more organised than what I thought they would be. Like they've got this hierarchy. They're so much more like the classic firms. Yes, the monster firms. Like they're pushing drugs around. They're, organising shit and organising battles and knives and weaponry and... Now, that might not be all of them, yeah. but uh, in the case that this is Chelsea and the docu what did watch was on the Chelsea Headhunters, it gave cred to what they were portraying in this movie was what the documentary had, had dealt with. So anyway, early in the film, uh, after the lads have set a trap and beaten the crap out of some top, the Tottenham firm, uh, Tommy is caught and held hostage by the brother of a girl he picked up at a club. Mm. He's saved when his mate Rod hits the man on the back of the head with a cricket bat. Mm-hmm. His assailant's brother uh, turns out to be the rival Millwall firm's leader, Fred, who then hunts Tommy down throughout the entire film, mm. uh, climaxing at the end. In short, the film follows Tommy, a flag-flying, fist-swinging member of the Chelsea Football Hooligan Firm, as he questions his place in life and involvement with the group. The consequences of his ill deeds worry and torment him to the point that he starts to suffer from panic attacks, breaks from reality, and a recurring nightmare of being beaten and left for dead, with only an eerie, bandage-faced boy for company. But is it a nightmare, or is it a premonition? With the impending battle against rival firm Millwall fast approaching, Tommy must choose what life he wants. And he needs to do it quick, because the leader of the Millwall firm is out for his blood. Cool. Yep. Move on to characters, actors, and their performances. Let's do it. Uh, Danny Dyer. Danny Dyer. Playing Tommy Johnson. Uh, disillusioned 20-something-year-old. Yeah. yeah. Late 20s. Uh, lives basically for football and the fights that, that come thereafter. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, his big thrill is wanting to fight Millwall at some point. His life is a bit scrambled after the events that happened where he um, had the thing held to his throat and whatnot. He starts having a reoccurring nightmare. Mm. Danny Dyer in this role, what did you guys think of him? I, I really liked him. I thought he, he played the, the role well. It's also just a really charming character. Even though he's a dickhead who wants to fight, mm. he's lovable to a degree. Like He's just having a, oh, he's having a laugh. But... Yeah, doesn't chase the fact that he's evidently a violent person. Yeah, I feel like most of the characters in there are all very well acted. Other yeah. And that, all of them, everyone that does play a part plays it really well. Um, he is the same shit person, but they all are. So, yeah. I mean, probably the most likable of the shit people, I would say. That's probably the main character. Acted well, though. Yeah, I, so I, I actually really like Danny Dyer as, as an actor himself. Mm. I've seen him in quite a few movies now, and he generally does play the same, a very similar character in all of them, but when he plays it, he plays it well. Mm. He does that slight touch to funny, fast-talking, black comedy-ish 
British guy. He always reminds me, he's like that James Bond's friend from Spy School, uh, the one that was always slightly <laughs> alcoholic. He came from the wrong part of town. He was slightly shabby compared to James Bond. Um, you know, he went. his code name was 0069. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he, but in some way, he was just sort of still charming. Yeah. yeah. Like, he, yeah. like he, he's the kind of guy that got out his gun and fumbled it yeah. sort of thing. Like he, he wasn't suave and charming. <laughs> He was a dick and charming. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. He just comes across like that. Um, but yeah, he did a great job. It, in, and he's definitely the pick for me of the actors in this film. Moving on from him, uh, you have Frank Harper playing Billy Bright. He is the over-psychotic. Yeah, he, he's a very, very violent, violent man. A very full-on man. Just, he's full of anger. He, just, he blames he, he the system. Just, he gets just a whiff of weakness and he just goes in. Yeah, he's like a shark to blood. Exactly. Pretty much. Yeah, definitely. He's obviously had a few fouls in life. Away from the crowds, he sort of he wants to be the boss of the yeah, firm. Yeah. You see multiple times talking about the fact that he doesn't really like the way the leadership's going. Everyone else does. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't it, like it. It comes down to the classic thing of he just he just wants love. Yeah, he's, he's a bit of a depressed outcast, really. Yeah. He just now he's an outcast in his he own group of people. Like, yeah. he's still he's still respected by the group. Because oh, yeah, because he's the, so psychotic. Because yeah. the amount of shit he's done. Yeah, but, yeah. Fear, fear, respect. Yeah. He's also potato, potato. He's got a florist that he's also running as a as a front for his uh, successful drug business, mm. and he's making a shitload of money mm. that because you see he's driving like the Range Rover and all that kind of stuff, and he's got you know the nice the nice things in life. Just throws yeah. money at the boys as well. Yeah, yeah. He also was very angry at Zebedee one of the other characters in the film we'll get into in a second uh, because Zebedee does not look up to him mm-hmm. and they're very similar upbringings when you look at yeah. them and you, they're both their stories and he wants all the young kids to look at him and they don't they look at Harris who is the actual boss of the firm mm-hmm. and it make, it's making him bitter yeah. and he starts like just he picking, picking on these these guys yeah. and, and, it, and it ends up backfiring on both I suppose for him as well and, and for Zebedee later on down the track as well yep. mm-hmm. also Neil Maskell playing Rod, who is Tom's best friend, sort of just carelessly strolling through he's, life. He's just there. He's, he's just, just there. He's, he's just, just following his friend, really. Yeah. He, he has no real personality, does he? He, he just he, he just snorts coke and then fights and just drifts. That's pretty much what it is. He's got his he, he he for a brief moment goes away from the group slightly until he realizes he hates regular life and all he wants to do is kick people in the head and then goes back to kicking people in the head that's yeah. pretty much what he does uh, get, just... get me back to it yeah. get me back to it Maddie, anything any thoughts on him other than yeah oh. like he, he was the sort of part of the reason why i was expecting an almost clockwork orange storyline i thought he was going to drift off from the group not be seen until the end and then come tommy, back tom, well yeah well tommy would eventually leave and then find rod again and rod would be like no mate life's good for you not kicking people in the head but nah <laughs> rod quickly decides <laughs> Other way, reversal. Yeah, he goes, no, nah, I'm going to go back. I think he snorts some coke at a date that he's on. And then oh, abuses the in-laws' parents. parents. Yeah. And he goes, oh, I think the drugs kicked in. She went, he's just had an espresso. <laughs> and, he's sort of just, and then during the conversation, realises he doesn't want to be there. Yeah, yeah he calls them prats, basically. He's missing, he's missing the sticks up game. your asses and pisses off. What a way to leave. Yeah. Um, moving on from that, uh, Roland Manukian playing Zebedee. He was one of my favourite other than Danny Dyer, he's one of my favourite characters and actors in it. He just portrayed that troubled youth. Mm-hmm. He, he uh, the actual so performance, well. the performance was really good. But I, again, just thought he was a shit person because he oh, was. Oh, he was a, a shit piece, person. Piece of scum. Yeah, essentially. Like, like, you show, but then again, that's that's part of his upbringing. Exactly. Like, like yeah. they show him from a young age. He basically was brought up snorting, uh, sniffing glue, and yeah, he was yeah. brought up in those estates. Those 
just horrible concrete jungle sort yeah. of things. Getting the shit beat out of him every day, and then hitting people over the head with a block of wood to get his stuff back. And yeah, not, but he, not he, conducive to building good people. No, mm. no, definitely not. He, he's that younger breed coming through Chelsea. Uh, he's already got himself into a lot of prime. He's got nothing left to lose in that sense because he's got he's, he's got nothing. Yeah. You can tell that he wants to be the top guy and, and lead the group, and he is just following Billy's footsteps. Uh, even though he doesn't like Billy, mm. everything Billy does to him, he then takes and then he applies to the kids that are younger than him. Yeah. And he can, you can see the kid who's down. being bullied becoming the bully. Yeah. yeah, And it ends up getting himself into a whole shit ton yeah. of trouble. Um, well, that plus the, the natural film. escalation of his crimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's yeah he's becoming the bully and, and he's getting himself into that sort of same situation. Tamir Hassan playing Fred. He is the volatile head of the Millwall hooligan firm. Mm-hmm. What do we think of him? Menacing. Very menacing. Yeah, play, play cool, calm and collected. Like the first time we get introduced to him, it's like, yeah, we've got our enemies, but we can do business with them as well. So he's talking to Billy. They have a few cracks at each other. It's like, oh, I'll bash your head in if we ever play. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, whatever. Uh, you got my four kilograms of coke? Yeah, good. <laughs> All right. And then there's a moment when he starts hunting down. The, it was like somebody hit my brother in the head with a cricket bat, Rod, in defense of Johnny, uh, Tommy. Tommy. And then he's, he changes. He's just, I'm going to find this dude and I'm going to gut him. And people, people are jumping out of the way to, to avoid him. Mm. And he just looks. He, I, he, looked, I, he looked like he had a knife at all t- stages, <laughs> and he was just going to cut it your face. It was just floating around. Like him. he was going to cut you. Like he, <laughs> yeah. you could see him cutting your cheeks. Or, or taking an eye out because he just looked Chelsea Green. that sort of a person. Yeah. He just did not look like a nice guy. I did not want to mess with him. Dudley Sutton playing Bill Farrell. He is the representative of the older generation, sort of a bygone era. Uh, D-Day, D-Day veteran, era. I'm pretty sure they mm-hmm. said. Yeah. In his late 70s, he wants to live out the remainder of his days with one of his mates. His uh, childhood friend, Albert. Albert. Nice. They plan to retire to Australia. He is the moral compass of this movie. He's not yeah. a perfect man himself. But he is, is, has seen it all, and he's saying, "Mate, what you're doing is not yeah." This because he's uh, Tommy's uh, granddad, and he's mm. saying, "What you're doing, mate, you're not yeah, you're not going to end up in a good place. You need to think yeah. about your life." Actually, these two characters were the only ones that I liked in the whole movie. Yeah, from a character's perspective, they were the only but, nice, yeah. quote unquote nice. People you're not supposed to like the guys, though. They're not. But they're not nice guys. The only ones that I actually felt like they were charming. Bill. Yeah, the two of them together, their friendship was just. Christine, it was great. Um, I really enjoyed the interaction with the, the cabbie they had, where they just gone along for the ride and they get out. He, what like, a wanker! What a wanker! It's just oh. let's go dancing. <laughs> it was great. But I also like the fact you can tell they were dodgy because they used the um, the wheelchair yeah. to basically get a free free ride. ride. Yeah, yeah. So the moment the cabbie pulls away, he hops up and stands up. Jumps out of the thing. <laughs> right, let's go dancing. Speaking of the taxi driver, played by Jamie Foreman, he is the racist taxi driver who goes through the entire film. He gives multiple people lifts through it. He is racist through all of them. The same rant. I feel like he's a stereotypical person that would have voted for Brexit. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's what I thought. He's a good risk, uh, a reoccurring subplot, and you know, usually it make means when you see him, there is going to be transition, a transition of scenes and or characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which is nice. it gives you somewhere to somewhere to be, and and I found his rants, whilst terribly racist, I found them quite quite funny. Like <laughs> he was carrying on, as long as you're not horribly offended by them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just the carrying on, calling, you know, going on about oh, blaming the packies and all this kind of crap like that. All sorts of horrible things, and just blaming every time. It just he got in the car, he was already on the conversation of whose fault all the things were. 
All right, finishing up with the characters, actors, and their performances, moving on to looks and tone. What do we think there? Yeah, looks and tone. I think it's a, a bit of a product product of its time. Uh, some a little bit of MTV shaky cam. Yeah, that's uh, why they're walking through as, as the crowd walking through to a fight or from yeah, a fight. Bouncing around whatever. steady cam sort of yeah. shots, yeah. almost Jason Bourne like. There was a few nice little thematic things that they did uh, visually, like during one of uh, Tommy's existential crises, crises, uh, whatever the word is. Uh, the The background starts to warble, and you're not sure whether it's coke or or just what's happening, or whether it's just a thematic device. And the the posters on the walls are directly addressing him, and it's like, "What are you doing, Tom?" And he's sort of freaking out a little bit. That was some interesting stuff that I wasn't expecting to see, mm. uh, but overall. Pretty standard. Pretty standard. Uh, not, not to take, not the standards no, taking away no, from it. No, no, it, it, there was nothing that took me out of the film. There was no shots that I went, ooh, yeah. except there is, there is one part where I was like, you could, you could have chopped that out. The, the very, very start, that long montage. Uh, of the actual footage of... Footage of, of hooligans the hooligans and, and newspaper clippings and that sort of thing. It just kept going and going and going and going and going. I actually fast forwarded it. You could have just given me a bit of pieces like no 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 set the tone like cool fade in there he is in the um tunnel with the shit bitten out of him start the movie yeah I don't I don't need that overall. gladly though it didn't continue that throughout the rest of the movie no, that yeah. was a hell of a long way to start off with and then it as soon as that happened, it's quite quick in its transitions yeah. after that yeah after that yeah there's there's no fat on it it's a very lean film there's no scenes that you like you just chopped it that's fine yeah I thought. Looks and tone wise, it dealt with the hooligan culture, you know, quite well. Um, being a pretty big fan of football, I thought it was, yeah, it did a good job there. I liked its uh, layers of black comedy throughout the whole thing as well. There was a f- quite a few scenes that I found quite humorous. Yeah. Uh, mainly the the banter between mm, yeah. between the guys. Um, the conversation. And some of the little situations they get themselves into, like uh, Zebedee and, and uh, the other bloke, I can't remember his name, Raf, um, where they steal from Billy. Yeah. And oh, they he, rob the house, and it turns out to be Billy's, Billy's house. house. <laughs> and then his result is like, hey, I'm going to get you with a dartboard on, on, on painted on your t shirt and let my boys throw darts at you. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, yeah fair yeah. enough. Yeah. And it's like, iconic. There was one part that I thought was funny. I don't know why I found it funny when they they beat up the drug dealer and stole his crack. I think yeah, it was. yeah whatever it was. Whatever yeah, it was. Um, and they're like they're slamming him with the door and they're kicking him and stuff. And they leave. And then Zebedee runs back and kicks him one more time. Cunt! And then runs off again. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why I found that funny. Yeah, because it was so unnecessary. It was so unnecessary. It was, but it was, it was so his character. It wasn't just a he'd taken a few steps and turned around. He had run away. Oh, yeah, and then run, run back. <laughs> The other thing I really like with the with the tone of it is that the scene with uh, Zebedee, um, after Billy is told him to hold out his hand and he's watching him shake, he said, "Oh, just a boy." And then Zebedee grabs that and then he uses it, uh, you know, a couple of minutes later in the movie yeah. uh, on other kids to mm. uh, like he's just taking what he's learning from these guys and then he's applying it to yeah. himself and he's just, he again it shows on the side of the, how he's becoming the bully. It was just a, a good way to say other people's actions can affect yeah. sort of. Younger, younger people. Well, really. yeah, like, younger they people learn from sponges. it. Yeah, and they're yeah, just learning and just and using it. I really liked the dream sequence, the recurring dream sequence they did, and the way it was layered to give you a little bit to start off with, yeah. gave you a little bit more and a little bit more to eventually, yeah. you know, what you what it sort of revealed yeah. and what what Through it led further to. Further and further expansion of the foreshadowing, just sort of go, this is going to happen. Any more on looks and tone? This, don't it, really have much to yeah. it. It's it's a pretty standardly shot film. It seemed very. There was nothing crazy visual. Uh, nothing that took you out of the film it's just fine fine yeah. yeah yeah. there's no real sets to speak of they're real life sets they're yeah. done in 
in streets, alleys, and pubs. houses, pubs. Mm. Overall, what do we think of it? Like it, not like it? I enjoyed it. I thought it was a solid little film. I would absolutely sort of recommend it to people. It, this is one of the ones where we don't need to add any caveats. I think just think it's a easily watched film. I think I think the my overall overarching tone for it was fine. All of it was fine. The story was fine. The acting was fine in parts good. Um, the way it looked was fine. I mean, I have nothing really negative to say about it, but I'm not bursting it, I'm not bursting at the seams to say it's amazing. Like, it was a good film, yeah. so I would also recommend it based on it. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah obviously it's my film. I've, I've seen it multiple times before. I thought it was a good film, otherwise wouldn't rec- recommended it to, for us to watch. Mm-hmm. I think generally, I, I sort of like these type of black comedy british gangsterish sort of it's yeah. very guy richie-ish in, in it mm-hmm. guy richie-ish ish in its sort of way it's done it's very much like lock stock in a sense and it's a bit like yeah. snatch and those sort of other films so it's like like those a little bit a little bit lighter does it it's got dialogue but doesn't have as good dialogue as, yeah. as, as those movies have mm-hmm. you want to say something yeah, yeah I, I was just gonna say that guy richie-ish sounds like guy richie's Rich. brand of licorice richerish richerish <laughs> <laughs> i think uh, people shouldn't be put off by the fact it's called the football factory you, you, um, because a little league game you don't see any football I, like, it could be something you'd be like oh, i don't want to watch this it's got something to do with football nothing to do with football other than the fact that they're football fans and football yeah. hooligans it doesn't really have anything other than the fact they follow a football club and yeah. bash people up because of it I don't, I don't even it. think they really even talk about football, football. no or no. even I don't think they even say the because word game I think it's like oh we'll, we'll go to the fight to the fight it's never about to the game it's about to the fight I feel like that's kind of the point of it as well yeah. it's, to them it's not about well they do obviously love the club and the game yeah. I would assume but the movie it's about the fighting and it's about them enjoying yeah. the fighting so so whether you don't like really it or have no yeah. thoughts on it it's going to be don't be put off by yeah. the name of the film is what I'm sort of trying to say uh, I thought it does pas- it does the life of a the passion of football hooligan quite well yep um, definitely opened my eyes to a lot of it and I was like oh okay don't realise this happened yeah yeah definitely definitely do you yeah. want to move on to some spoiler spoilery do's yeah give it a minute yep Warning, you are entering the spoiler zone. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Um, at the end of the film, there's this recurring dream uh, that Tommy keeps keeps having, having where he's laying in this tunnel. He's been, been black, black and blue. blue. Uh, this child uh, approaches him. He's yeah. wrapped around with a, um, bandage. a bandage around his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's asking Tommy some questions. Are you okay? Um, and it's like, yeah, ask Tommy the questions like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I, I'm not okay, but... Are you okay? And ask the kid who's got coming his bends. The kid goes, "No, nah, mate, I'm dead." And that's the first sort of time he's encountered. And the next time the kid is encountered, he's like, gives him a little bit more. Yeah, he goes, "Do, do you know who you are?" I was like, "Well, I won't know until I take the bandages off." And then they meet the next time, and he finally takes the kid, takes the bandages off, and reveals that he is in fact Zebedee, which freaks Tommy, Tommy the out. Fuck out. Yeah. So after the big clash with the uh, Millwall firm, where Tommy is beaten black and blue, and he's left in the <laughs> tunnel, yep, and and whatnot. He he wakes up in hospital um, after you yeah. know, obviously been taken there. He wakes up next to Bill, who in in a time just previous, his grandfather had had, had a bit of a panic attack caused yeah. by the mourning and the loss of his, his friend Albert, who dies. Who was actually I really it was a very touching scene when he finds yeah. Albert dead. Yeah. Um, in the yeah. thing, in the way he walks up to him, he says something to him, and then yeah. he closes his eyes. It was just a very yeah, the thing. Yeah. The thing that really got me with that one is when he went into his bedroom to 
to see what he had packed to take to Australia. Yeah. And I can't even remember what it was. It was like tins of food and uh, magazines. Pot, pot noodles. Pot, yeah. Uh, some licorice swirls. Yeah. Basically just, a bunch of candy. But yeah, it was like some something you'd expect like an eight-year-old to pack while yeah. they're going away. And he just kind of smiles warmly like, ah, oh, yeah, this is... My friend, this is what he's packed. Oh, geez, that's just like him. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's such a sweet. It was a, a very moment. sweet moment. And yeah. then, yeah, like he, you know, he just closed his eyes and it was, just, yeah. So he wakes up next to him in hospital. Tommy makes Tommy, Tommy makes Tommy wakes up in hospital next to next to Bill. They have a bit of a chat. Bill sort of says, "Why don't you come with me to Australia?" And he's like, "No, I'll think about it," sort of thing. And then and makes his way to the pub where he talks about. Yeah, he's sort of walking down the road and he's uh, Tommy's walking down the road on a crutch and sort of asking himself this. Was it worth it? Monologue, is, is it worth it? Is it worth doing this? Is, am I crazy? He was like, yeah, it was absolutely worth it. Mm-hmm. Enters the pub to uproar and hurrahs. Because they're all glad he's all right. Oh, look, all glad he's all right. They're like, oh, look at you. He sort of enjoys the moment. He starts asking, he starts about, asking about Zebedee. Zebedee. Like, Has anyone seen Zebedee? Is Zebedee okay? It's like, yeah, he's fine. And Zebedee rocks up and he's, yeah, he's absolutely fine. Tommy's super stays like, okay, clearly it was just a dream. Have some coke. Zebedee goes off into the bathroom to have himself a snort uh, and encounters the, the drug dealer that he mugged. Yeah, who basically walks up to him, says, Hello, Hello Zebba fucking D. Yeah. And, and then shoots him in the head. And up. he shoots him in the head just as Tommy walks in and he Tommy actually witnesses it. He basically sees the gun and then boom, that's shot. Zebedee's dead. And that's the where the film but ends. Ends. And then it gives you a bit of a short... I do have to say the, the premonitions throughout the movie I felt didn't add anything to it in my in my opinion I didn't okay. really feel like it was necessary at all okay. I felt like it was purely there to try to add another layer to it just mm-hmm. for the sake of it okay. and because it, it didn't really it didn't really give anything to the story I don't really think it gave anything to the character mm-hmm. I don't think it was even that great of a premonition in that it would have been just as shocking to him if it had happened without the premonitions yeah so I just I don't know I just didn't agree with that particular part of the movie. Well, yeah, I, I liked it as a device uh, because it sort of added into this whole existential thing of am I going crazy? Like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. It's like a subconscious sort of manifestation of those concerns beyond the sort of seeing things written on walls directly and directed mm. at him, uh, and also sort of acted as foreshadowing because yeah. like, hey, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Otherwise. The shock because if you you can sit there and establish something's going to happen to Zebedee, it's like okay, well we know to look out for that. Whereas if it's not really given any sort of foreshadowing, you can sit there and assume it's going to happen because of the nature of his character, and perhaps it would have been, would have been a bit more jarring and shocking. But I think that they were deliberately trying to sit there and give you this path of yeah. all right, he has an external person that he wants to try and care for. Yeah, I kind of get that. It just, it did just feel to me like a you very could have cheap. easily not have it and yeah. got to the same conclusion. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like I personally, I didn't really have a major problem with it because no. I'm with Matt on that one. I, I it sort of gave you somewhere that you thought it was going to go. Okay, it wasn't a great like twist or anything, but yeah. with the end, the way it was going with the end, and he sees everything. Oh, everybody's fine. Yeah. You know, uh, and you you fine. may have quite possibly went. Oh, okay, it was. It was just a dream. I probably would have hated that even more if they had done that. If he'd just been fine. I was like, what's the point of all those scenes then? Yeah, but then, of course, you think for a couple of seconds he's fine and the drug dealer comes in, yeah. boom. And that's where, where it goes with it. Also, repeating myself, it's just sort of sit there to give you this idea that maybe he's going to change as a way of also getting someone else to change. It's, it's going wrong for me because I'm going to end up beat up in this tunnel. Zebedee's going to die. It's not working for either of us. Maybe something, a change needs to happen. 
change doesn't happen and the consequences are what was predicted. Yeah, pretty much. Moving on from that, though, it basically then does a short little scene that says, you know, uh, you know, Rod does this with his life. Obviously, Zebedee's dead. Zebedee, Raph still steals. Billy gets sent down for selling drugs. For his guess of seven-year prison sentence. Yeah. Uh, Bill goes overseas to Australia. Lives happily in the sun. And then it comes up with saying that Tommy has decided to support, support rugby. rugby instead. Dot, 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 dot. Bollocks. Bollocks. Uh, and no, he's he's chosen to keep the same lifestyle after everything's happened. Whether it's and it's probably not the wisest life choice for himself, but he's happy. He is. He is. Next, next week. week. Before we go too far, whose choice for next week? Me. What did you choose, Mike? Um, I chose Miracle Mile, 1998. A 1988. Uh, 1988. Sorry. Uh, getting back to my roots of a thriller. Um, <laughs> Uh, it is a... You should the dance. Sorry, Mikey. Um, continue. continue. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it's basically about a movie of... A sh- is it back at the Cold War? I'm trying to think of it. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's before the fall of the war. Yeah. So, basically, it's a nuclear war type deal. Um, basically, it's a... They're going to get nuked, and it's the last hour and a bit for this area and what the hell are they going to do basically a trombone playing nerd accidentally answers a phone well it happens to get a phone call uh, that he wasn't meant to get and gets warned of the impending nuclear war so yeah that's it tune in next week beans bye bye sign off I wish they still guillotined.